Hello, everyone. My name is Dr. Brian Thatcher, and welcome to this podcast of Mercy Unbound. Today, we're going to speak with Sister Judith Ann from the uh, Sisters of Charity of St. Augustine, and she's going to talk about a nun in her order from nearly 100 years ago, Sister Ignatia, who was considered and called Angel of the Alcoholics Anonymous. We're going to talk about her life and what role she had in the development on the spiritual side of the 12-step program. I hope you enjoy the show. Please share it, subscribe. Thanks for joining and God bless. Hello, everyone. My name is Dr. Brian Thatcher and welcome to Mercy Unbound. It's a show that aims to provide hope, an avenue for healing, and one that will help you understand and then live the great mercy of God. So excited today. Uh, to have with me Sister Judith and um, Karen uh, of the Congregation of the Sisters of St. Augustine and uh, from Cleveland, where I did my last uh, training. And um, interesting how things evolved. <clears throat> Being a liver specialist, I saw many alcoholics kind of learn to 12-step, try to get people into the program. And I always thought that looking at the 12 steps, there was a spiritual component to this. And in some ways I thought, there's a Catholic element in here. I just couldn't figure it out. Like step five is, you know, you tell God your, your spiritual or friend in AA, your sponsor, you have to open up and be honest. And I thought, boy, that sounds a lot like confession. And yet I knew that the founders of AA were not Catholic. Uh, and I'd even gotten into a little debate several years ago with my good friend, the editor at the Marion Helpers, the Mar Marions in Stockbridge. And I said, I know there's a Catholic element in this. And he said, no, no, I've done all the research. There's nothing. Well, about three years ago, my wife gave me uh, the Magnificat and it was in September. And uh, she said, I think you got your answer here. And it talked about Sister Ignatia, angel of the Alcoholics Anonymous. And I read it and I was like, praise the Lord. And so I began to study. I actually called Sisters Order in Cleveland, and they were kind enough to send me this book, Sister Ignatia, and I read it. I did a show on 13 shows on the 12-step program. And uh, today I want to focus with Sister on uh, who was really Sister Ignatia and what role did she play in her spirituality. But uh, boy, there's so much to talk about. And before I get sister going with questions here. I just want to say the other thing that caught me was this all happened around the same time that Faustina was having revelations to the Lord nearly a hundred years ago on divine mercy. So in Poland, you've got Jesus appearing to St. Faustina. And around that same time, you've got sister Ignatia just doing the works of mercy, being the merciful Jesus to these alcoholics. So I thought that was fascinating. But welcome, Sister Judith. It's great to have you. Your, your title is um, Congregational Leader, which I guess is analogous to Mother Superior, but it's an honor to have you with, you, with us today on Mercy Unbound. Thank you so very much. I'm really grateful to be here and to share the good news of Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, and you've got Sister Ignatia's uh, photo there in the back on your desk, I see. And uh, Yes, I do. She, she probably guides me every day. I'm, I'm counting on it. <laughs> I'm counting on it. <laughs> Sister, can you share with us a little bit about where Sister Ignatia grew up, her family, um, how she became acquainted with the Sisters of uh, Charity of St. Augustine? Uh, Sister Ignatia 
was born in Ireland. And uh, she, uh, along with her family, she was six years old when she came to the United States. And with, as with many immigrants, even to this day, they came to the United States to, to seek a better life. Um, the, her father was uh, Patrick Gavin, was working uh, in England actually uh, to on a farm to help raise money for his for the the needs of the family uh, for the needs of the family. She grew up as Della Gavin, and she came uh, in, in uh, you know it, it, with with her family and uh, came to Cleveland, Ohio. We have significant number of Irish in Cleveland, Ohio. And that's where she came. That's where she came with her, uh, she had a brother and she uh, and her parents came together. And uh, they came to the United States in 1895. She was born in uh, 1889. And uh, so she was six years old when she came here with her family. And uh, it, it was to search a better life. That's what her parents wanted was a better life for their children. So when she came here, her family uh, noted the giftedness that she had in music. So her family uh, made sure that her edu she was educated in Catholic schools in Cleveland area and made sure that she also received uh, education in music. And uh, eventually she became a music teacher, even before she entered the congregation. She taught music and became a music teacher. And that was another opportunity for contributing to the livelihood of her family at the time. So um, I don't know if you want me to give a whole continue with the conversation but that that's really what her 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 beginnings were i remember uh, in 2015 when uh we were at the aa international convention why were we there we were there because aa was honoring the sisters of charity of saint augustine awesome. for uh the work of sister ignatia gavin and uh it was the international convention. So uh, from all over the world, it was overwhelming to see the Georgia Dome packed wow. <laughs> with, with members of, the, of Alcoholics Anonymous. And I just remember we felt like the paparazzi was following us. I had one of our other sisters with me and uh, the people from Ireland, you know, the uh, delegates from Ireland, it was like we were, we were more than we, then uh, we were wrecking. They just were so proud of her. Yeah, yeah. So proud of her. And they claimed her as their own. And uh, it was just amazing to see that. That's awesome. In the, in the early years, didn't she help in an orphanage? Or did I get that wrong? We had, um, we're in the early years of, as a member of our congregation, she, um, we had a music school in Lakewood that was connected to our mother house. And she taught at that music school. Okay. We also were connected to uh, Parmadale Children's Village 
and she she uh, taught the children at Parmadale Music, but she was primarily uh, focused on the on the uh, music school, and um, she taught for many years. She had a real gift with with music and teaching music, but the reality is is that she was a perfectionist. Yeah, yeah, and uh, very uh, much because of that lived with high anxiety yeah, yeah wanted everything to be perfect that she did so um uh, i think that's probably the con you know the context from right. what god called her to in the future you know thinking about um i remember reading years ago henry newman's book the wounded healer and uh yes sister with her anxiety and ulcers and don't you think that helped her later on though realize these other people were struggling and suffering and they had problems and she could empathize with them in a better way because of her own struggles henry now and also says compassion to suffer with and when i think of uh really the aa program of uh admitting that one is alcoholic and that we needed God to help us. Sister Ignatia had an emotional breakdown. She had a nervous breakdown because of the high anxiety level that she had. She needed healing. She needed to uh, seek medical care because of the breakdown. She needed that. When our alcohol, we as, I'm not an alcoholic, but alcoholics, when they seek, uh, when they know that they're an alcoholic, they seek treatment. And then they're part of a program, the 12 steps, the 12 traditions. I mean, it's very, very comparison, very comparable to uh, Sister Ignatia. And then the sobriety piece, you know, maintaining one's health, mental health, which was important for her you know, is how do we maintain our sobriety? Our alcoholics maintain sobriety by giving service to others. And that's our, that's the whole um, purpose of our congregation is giving service to others. Because of God's love for us, we are able to care for others and love our neighbors. And that's what she did to maintain her own wellness sister you bring up a good point because i read that your order is involved in health care education social services and you've been in the cleveland area since 1851 that kind of surprised me that's a long time 171 years <laughs> that's awesome now sister was transferred to um st thomas hospital that had to be a little stressful being the administrator but she had the uh, authority to determine who's getting admitted where they're going and this and that and put if you put it in the context back then didn't they let alcoholics they'd take them to the jail and let them sober up and sleep it off but she brought them into the hospital and chapel and then the administrator other people nurses and stuff they were upset with her weren't they well, Sister Ignatia was not administrator. She okay. was registrar. She was like director of admitting. Okay. Which, which would be comparable to what we have uh, uh, 
I shouldn't say that it's a different name now, <laughs> health access, uh, patient access. But anyhow, um, she was director of admitting. And that was, an, that was uh, upon the recommendation of the doctors that cared for her during her breakdown and healing and all of that is to move out of full-time music to have another ministry. And, you know, it was a way for her, and I go back to the whole sobriety piece, it was a way for her to maintain her own illness or her own wellness by serving other people. Now she went and uh, that's how she connected with Dr. Bob, 1939. She had her first connection with Dr. Bob. So she was director of admitting and Dr. Bob uh, came to her wanting to seek help for the, his patients that had the disease of alcoholism. And the first part of it is the detoxification which was essential for the alcoholic to be able to move forward with recovery. And um, Sister Ignatia from her early days, even before Dr. Bob, she was very attuned to the emergency department and when the alcoholic came in uh, to the emergency department, because she believed that alcoholism was a disease. It was not just a social malady. It was a disease. Or, or a moral weakness was the concept too, wasn't right. it? Right. That was not, she, did, she embraced it as a disease. And that's how she embraced the alcoholic, that they had a disease and they needed to achieve sobriety. So, uh, so Dr. Bob came and asked Sister Ignatia, can we not admit the, 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 uh, per, the alcoholic? No way. And you know very well how third-party payers and everyone else yeah, are yeah. today. Well, it was just that way then. So they were admitted under the diagnosis of malnutrition and dehydration or acute gastritis. Now, the first patient, and this is real, the first patient, the first drunk, she called them Elkies, that came to St. Tom, now, our, we founded and operate St. Operated St. Thomas Hospital in Akron. That's why she was there. And uh, she took a room that normally would receive the flowers for the patients at, at the hospital from, you know, different. Uh, uh, so she, she put the gentleman in that room. And uh, the, um, during the night, people would come in, the, you know, at that point, they were starting to, AA with Bill W. And, and Dr. Bob were starting to look at how can we help each other? And they had enough uh, in the Akron area to help the first patient to be. So during his detox and all that in this flower room, there were people coming in and out. And she had to explain that not only to the nurses at, during the night, but also our nuns. <laughs> who are trying to figure out what is she trying to do here? What's going on here? Yeah. So she was under intense scrutiny when she started. And then eventually St. Thomas's and our sisters who own St. Thomas enabled the mission and the ministry of care for the alcoholics. And there's still, she was, I, I remember giving the talk at the AA International Convention and saying, 
me being a hospital administrator as many years as I was, she was what I would consider high maintenance. <laughs> because if you could imagine this, nurses working in the evening shift, the supervisors, et cetera, a person going through detox, they may not be calm. And, you know, in those days, um, we may not have had the medications that we had to help move the, you know, to care for the alcoholic during the detox phase. And some of them are running up and down halls and all this. So as soon as she woke up and was on her way to church, to mass, uh, they would say to her, wait a minute, you're going to get up and be here during the night and catch run with these patients. So it was, it was misunderstood until it was understood and embraced as a wonderful mission in ministry. And Dr. Bob, she was had a very close relationship with Dr. Bob and also Bill W. But Dr. Bob, especially because of their really collaboration. And she was a spiritual guide for yeah. Dr. Bob yeah. during this time. Well, he, he was an alcoholic too. Absolutely. He, he Absolutely. Hospital staffs. And yeah. it's one of the reasons he probably came begging to sister because he needed his job. And, you know. No, he was working. He was a private, he was an independent, what we would call today, independent physician. He was a surgeon. He was a surgeon. And there's a story that I kind of get nervous about even telling where he was, you know, he was, his alcoholism was overwhelming too. And um, Bill W was in Akron at the time, you know, in a visit at the time. And uh, he had, was scheduled for a surgery and he was not ready to be having surgery on anyone. <laughs> but they, they worked with him during the night and got him as sober as he possibly could given the circumstances he possibly could be and uh, was able to do the surgery successfully. The patient did fine. Yeah. But I mean, as, as a hospital administrator, I go, oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and she got, sister did get grief though, because people didn't understand the disease at the time. So I'm sure that was absolutely the nuns were uh, absolutely and the nurses. And did, did I read that she, move people eventually or maybe even at the beginning close to the chapel because she just wanted them to soak up the spirituality kind of concept you know to be honest with you i don't remember that okay i have not heard that let's let's talk a little bit about the 12-step program itself um as i mentioned like the fifth step talks about confessing all your sins everyone you know be open transparent honest and that's all part of the 12 step and stuff do you, do you see, see any correlation there with your order's spirituality it's based on saint ignatius and the ignatian exercises which have been around for 500 years um is there any correlation i think, there? I think what's important to know and I, a friend of mine in aa just sent me a book um, and it's about uh, Father Ed Dowling, Jesuit priest. And he became friends with Bill W. And um, he became friends with Bill W. I really believe, and, he, and Bill W was surprised to hear that the 12 steps were so much correlated 
with with uh, Saint Ignatius spiritual exercises. In fact, there was Bill W. who wrote them, and Dr. Bob. The two of them wrote it, wrote the twelve steps together. There was no correlation planned. Yeah. But if any of us who understand the spiritual exercises, and I, I've I I've been blessed with a spiritual director that has helped me with that. Uh, there is a, there really is a correlation. It's all about turning one's life over to God, and uh, you know. So there, but I I do know Father Ed Dowling S.J. and I'm reading another book about him today right now. That he was a companion for Bill W. Uh, and as as everything was evolving in the 1940s, et cetera. Let me interject, you know, some people watching this may say, well, the AA program has nothing to do with God and, you know, it's all about a higher power and things. But then the founders recognize that it, this program is for everyone. So they kind of replace the word God with higher power because people come in with different places and beliefs and things. Let me just say that the mission of AA is to reach out to the suffering alcoholic. Those of us who are part of AA would say, there's a statement, a responsibility statement, and it says, I am responsible. When anyone anywhere needs the hand of AA to be there. And that says to me that all are welcome to be part of AA. I was kind of, when I became a board member, I was kind of taken aback by that. I always thought it was, because God is reflected in all of it, and then moving on to higher power. Uh, but they all are welcome. How do we reach the suffering alcoholic? We reach the suffering alcoholic by making it available. And whether we call it higher power or God or Jesus Christ, the reality is, is that to achieve sobriety, one is handing over one's life because the alcoholic cannot do it on their own. That's the first step, really, isn't it? That's the first step, right. And there has to be a desire. Yeah. A desire, just like any of us that may be non-alcoholic in order, or I don't care if you're alcoholic or not alcoholic, to embrace God in our lives. There has to be a willingness in our hearts to embrace God in our lives from a spirituality standpoint. That's the spiritual exercises too. We can't do it alone. And God is the source of our life. And it's not really a situation, as you said, where we're uh, miraculously healed overnight. It's a, it's a journey, isn't it? The alcoholic is not healed. They are, throughout their life, they are in constant recovery. Right, right. They're in constant recovery. So I don't go in, go to detox, start working the program, the 12-step program, and get healed. Right, right. It's a lifelong journey for me to maintain sobriety as an alcoholic. You know, the, uh, every once in a while I'll see on a bumper sticker a, a motto, which means so much to me, trying to live divine mercy. Jesus, I trust in you is one day at a time. Yes. Tell us about that and where that fits in. I really feel that um,
at our board member, I am a board member, a non-alcoholic board member on AA's international board uh, for United States and Canada. Every time that we come together, frequently we say the serenity prayer. God grant me the serenity to accept the things, you know, that whole prayer is sacred. <laughs> and everyone says it because of how important it is. And it's one day at a time. I believe that God asks us every single day of our lives to say yes to God. And how do we discern, you know, Psalm 139 talks about God's plan for us was knitted together in our mother's womb. And that's, how do we know that? We know that by every single day in prayer, listening to what God is asking of us. And most importantly, us saying yes to God. And that's really the 12 steps. You know, God, I can't do this on my own. I cannot do this on my own. I turn over my whole life to you. Sister, years ago, I, I remember it was like it's yesterday. I had an alcoholic patient. I didn't even realize he was alcoholic. His liver tests were normal. He never told me about it. And one weekend, his wife called, called me and said, can you help me find him? He took off and he's probably on a drunken stupor. And I drove around, looked for him, did everything I could do. And then Monday he showed up at my office and he was actually in DTs, uh, shaking, sweating, anxious, pulses, very, very fast and things. And it, it just sh shocked me. Um, but I said, we, we got to get you in for treatment and we got to get you to AA. You got to get in a program of healing. Oh, I'm not an alcoholic. I could quit today, you know? And I, that denial holds us back, doesn't it? You know, setting aside alcohol, alcohol, the alcoholic, each one of us in our relationship to God has times that we say, you know, God, not yet, not yet. <laughs> uh, and the, the way that the alcoholic achieves sobriety and maintains sobriety is by every single day saying, yes, God, yes, sacred higher power and keeping it up by being in a fellowship. You know, I live in community, which I'm grateful for and I chose freely. The, the alcoholic has chosen freely to live in the fellowship and that's critical. Their care for each other, you know, uh, their care for each other and their service, unity, recovery and service are three pr priorities that Bill W has defined as essential parts of AA. Sister, when, when I looked at the 12 steps, um, it kind of, for me, broke out into first you get right with God and, and then you, you really do some soul searching, get right with yourself. And then at the end, as you said, you are so happy that you're on this path to healing that you can't share it or you want to share it and you can't keep it into yourself. It's kind of like the message of Jesus Christ. You know, when you're filled with God's love, you just, it's like those rays coming out from his pierced heart. And it's exciting to see recovering people are so happy to embrace. Yep. The fellowship is a gift. It's a gift. And, uh, I see it 
we all see it. Any of us that are associated with AA see it in people's lives. And uh, the call of, you know, handing one's life to a higher power uh, really uh, being able to be healthier than they were as an alcoholic and letting go of some of the uh, the regrets that they have that were part of being an alcoholic and and then serving others serving others I mean I have never seen people be so uh, grateful to be able to serve coffee at these meetings. Yeah. But it's such a fine job and they're just wonderful. I mean, just wonderful. Um, just wonderful, wonderful. The fellowship is just a gift. It's a gift. You know, sister, when I think of the cross, I, I remember Jesus said the two thieves, and we kind of have two thieves in our own lives of the past. Many of us get stay in the past and we can't move to today and live today because we're ruminating and I should have done this, would have done this, could have done this. And then we got the future, worried about the future that takes us out of the day. But like, that's the beauty of the program with the one day at a time, stay in the day. That's right. That's right. Enjoy the beauty. I just believe that from my own religious vocation. You know, I've been in community 58 years now. And it's every single day I have to say, yes, God, yes, God, yes, God. Even with all the difficulties of life, all the happiness of life, recognizing the gifts of life. But I think that's really, that's really what God is asking of all of us. Yes, God, yes, God, yes. Thank you, God, thank you, God. Now, Sister Ignatia uh, was even honored by JFK, wasn't she? Yes, there's a letter. Um, that we have in our archives. If you, anyone coming to Cleveland that would like to uh, see our archives on Sister Ignatia, you're more than welcome. Uh, we have an archivist, and we, you know, we have a number of people, even from Ireland, just recently, of uh, people that want to learn more about Sister Ignatia. But um, yes, we had that letter from JFK honoring her for her work and dedication. You know, she was a very modest person. <laughs> she didn't like all the Dr. Um, or Bill W. when she was going to be moving from Akron to our hospital in Cleveland to begin Rosary Hall at St. Vincent Charity. Um, he wanted a plaque in St. Thomas Hospital recognizing the wonderful work and how important she was as you know, the angel of alcoholics, anonymous. She wanted no part of it. She said, if you're going to put a plaque up, you honor my religious order. Yes. I don't want my name in there. You know, she was, you know, very, very humble in the midst of all of it. But she was, uh, she was a fireball too. You know, she used to tell the alcoholics when they left either St. Thomas's or St. Vincent Charity Rosary Hall, you know, she used to, she gave them a sacred heart bash. And if you, if you take another drink, if you ruin your sobriety, you come back and give this back to me. And, you know, she had a finger that, you know, she was very, very strong on that, you know, on really what counted. And that was care of the person in front of her. And when she was transferred back to Cleveland, was she doing the same type of work? Or was it she different? actually founded St. Vincent, at St. Vincent Charity, our downtown hospital in Cleveland, Rosary Hall. 
and Dr. Bob had, had died by then. Dr. Bob had died in 1950, and she founded Rosary Hall in 1952. Again, strong friendship, strong friendship. She named it Rosary Hall after the initials of Robert Holbrook Smith, huh. our, you know, Rosary Hall Solarium in honor to, of Dr. Bob. And that's so a, that's a actually, and that has expanded tremendously. Our Rosary, we have doctors that are trained in addiction medicine there and uh, many, many people uh, whose lives have been saved they, and family members will not, they'll tell you this. <laughs> Thank you for saving my father's life. So the focus of Rosary Hall is really addiction related alcohol and and drugs now because of the evolution. Yeah. You know, my community's uh, mission is to, you know, to respond to the needs of the times and the whole notion of drugs and addiction medicine expanding beyond alcohol, alcoholism. Now, how many beds do you have there and where, where at in Cleveland is Charity Hall? Is it downtown? We're right in the downtown area, right in, in fact, uh, run, Central Avenue and Sister Ignatia Road. <laughs> oh, that's sweet. Um, yeah. That's and uh, let's see, how many beds do we have? <laughs> see, we only now, when I started as a pharmacist, we had a 14-day stay. Now, that was 1962. We now have detox. Right. That's our inpatient. So we have one unit of 20 beds, wow. we never have 20 people in detox. But uh, so it's, a, it's, a, it's not a 14 day stay. What we have is the detox, then moving into the uh, whole group therapy, the, you know, it's all on an ambulatory basis. Wow, that's, that's incredible. I, I wasn't aware, I knew, I'd heard of Rosary Hall, but I didn't realize that's what you were doing there. Uh, yeah, Rosary Hall Solarium, Sister Ignatia, founded it. That's why she came. That's why she came to, awesome. to Cleveland. So again, your order is really sisters of charity. Of course, you're, you're exuding God's love, but that's your focus is to help those in need and uh, really reach out. So how would, would, would someone who might be considering a religious vocation uh, as a sister, would they go to your website uh, to find out more information? Uh, yes. If I remember, it's sistersssofcharity.org. Is that your website? You got it. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Sistersofcharity.org. Correct. Call and get information. And uh, yes. Uh, it's fascinating life, really. It's all about helping people heal. Uh, it's a blessing, a blessed life. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That is good. Now, now, when Sister died, she had a lot of people come to the funeral, didn't she? She did. Of course, I was a novice. I, I remember when yeah. she died, I was cleaning the, the chapel. I was in the chapel, and all of a sudden, I heard uh, the chimes go off. And uh, but I had no I when I I knew of Sister Ignatia because I worked at St. Vincent's before I entered the convent. So she would, you know, she was present there and. Did I know her real well? No, I don't want to. I knew of her and I knew the work she was doing. But then I entered the convent 
and I was a novice uh, and I was cleaning the chapel and then all that. So we all were at the funeral. Really? We all were at the funeral. And uh, uh, we as novices were up in the choir loft because of the tens of thousands of people at St. John Cathedral. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. It's amazing. Yeah, it is. It is. And uh, I often say, and I've had a lot of laughs about it, because of the tens of thousands of people, I often say, well, I met Bill W. <laughs> Bill W. was present there. Yeah. I was way up in the choir loft and Bill W. was way down. <laughs> so I, we, we laugh about that. We laugh about that. But he gave a beautiful testimonial to her at the, uh, at the funeral. And uh, overwhelming to see the influence that she, that she had in the founding of AA. And it's really, it was a team, you know, yeah. that God blessed and put into um, the divine providence of AA evolving into what it is. And then when I, uh, Sister Teresa and I went to the international convention and saw the thousands, and th I'm talking about the Georgia Dome. And I have never in my life seen thousands, as many people as were there. And to see the influence of her life in Dr. Bob and Bill W. in the lives of, of the fellowship. I mean, it was like in Technicolor. Um, right. Sister and I were overwhelmed. Then we had a video of it and we brought it uh, back to show our sisters. The tears were just flowing. Really? You know. Any, any effort? process under investigation for her um, you know process of venerable I mean, for canonization yeah. there are a number of people that have asked us about that uh, my congregation uh, people that preceded me in leadership and it still comes up um, really went through a whole process with sisters at new sister Ignatia and remember I told you about Dr. or Bill W's experience no i don't want my name in anything i don't we don't we really believe sincerely believe and that's why our decision has been that we would not initiate canonization she would not want that really she would not want that so our decision has been not to proceed okay there is a group out there and we would support whatever way we can you know we have the probably the most extensive archives on Sister Ignatia, um, whatever would be needed, but we would we do not feel that we're honoring her wishes if we would proceed. Proceed, Sister. If some if some woman out there would be contemplating a, a religious life, could you share with us in your from your heart what why they should consider your order, what it has meant to you. Well, I, um, I believe that God calls each one of us in a different way, but that what is important to me and why I chose religious life, I, as I shared with you, I was working at St. Vincent's and I was a pharmacy technician first uh, before I entered the convent. And I saw our sisters, we had numerous sisters at the hospital at the time that uh, in the middle of the day, they would stop and go to prayer 
they would stop and go to community events. They would have meals together. They would live community together. And the center of their life was liturgy every day and meditation and prayer. And um, uh, that's what my community afforded. It, it attracted me and it also um, provided me a way of life that was focused on the spiritual. I think all of us are God seekers, but I think in religious life, we're God seekers in a unique way because we have the support of community. We have the support of both communal prayer and uh, our own individual prayer. Uh, it, it really is seeking God in, in a very real way. And uh, for that, it's important. You know, that's why I chose it. And also the service part of it. Right, right. I was attracted to the service that I could give service um, to people. And, and all these years, uh, I really, you know, my, my ministry in healthcare was a blessing to me. Yeah. Uh, a blessing. Well, and our sisters teach. Our sisters are, you know, worked in parishes. Our sisters, uh, social services. I mean, uh, doing the works of mercy, really. Right. It's God's call. That's yeah. the main, main thing. Well, again, your website is SRS for Sisters, SRSofcharity.org. Um, Sister Judith, I want to thank you. Uh, I know how busy you are as. Uh, congregational leader of the order and uh it's just been an honor to speak with you today on mercy unbound and uh thank you i hope the people watching this get a little better handle of how sister ignatia was a factor in the spiritual development of all this and uh you know I, I, you look at her with her you know nervous breakdown and and um god often chooses the weakest for his greatest works and uh, praise the Lord for that. That's hope for all of us. So, Sister, again, thank you for joining me today on Mercy Unbound. Thank People. you, Doctor. I hope you, thank you enjoy the show. All those that will watch this, I ask you to subscribe and uh, share it and uh, pray. And let's live the message of mercy and reach out to others. And uh, God bless you again, Sister. You too. And all, all that are listening. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel for the video portion. The podcast can be heard at anchor.fm slash dr brian b-r-y-a-n thatcher t-h-a-t-c-h-e-r and on all the major podcast forums i would love to speak at your church or conference and please consider supporting our efforts to spread the truth to a hurting world thank you again and for more information go to the website at drbrianthatcher.com